1: Our goal this year is to get more people moving and more people moving consistently. We want you to have something that's sustainable that you aren't just going to do during January or February, but you are going to do throughout the year and really develop lifelong habits when it comes to your mobility. And we have the perfect thing. We have a Gen Health Challenge going on, a full month of mobility. It's the full body mobility plan on Gen.Health. We have a huge community already moving their way through the month, but you still have time to get in and get in with a discount 20% off your first month on Gen Health to come in, do this full 30-day follow-along mobility plan for us to continue to address those aches, those pains, those restrictions in the body and make it functional to your life so that you can continue to move better and feel better in your body. You can go down and check out the link in the show notes. It's just gen.health backslash mobility and make sure that you use code mobility at checkout to get that 20 percent off to have your first month of Gen Health for only $20. It's $20 for a full month of movement, a chance to win some prizes and move with an incredible community on Gen Health. So come join us, get that link down in the show notes and make sure you use code mobility at checkout.
0: So excited for this next interview with Dr. Nitha Bhushan. She is such a sweet soul, someone I've known for a long time, and you're going to understand as you listen to this podcast. Now, she is a cosmetic dentist turned three-time international best-selling author and world-renowned emotional health advocate. She's also the founder of a Global Grit Institute, which is a wellness education program for optimizing well-being and and co-founder of Dharma Coaching Institute, which is a coaching organization training coaches to become the highest versions of themselves. Nita has shared her thought leadership on grit and resilience on international stages and as the host of her popular podcast, The Brave Table. After realizing how trapped she felt from running a dental practice she built, Nitha embarked on a journey that led her across 45 countries as she researched blending the intersection of human behavior, ancient wisdom, Eastern philosophy, and therapeutic psychology. That knowledge, along with other life experiences, overcoming multiple adversities, multiple, which include being orphaned at a young age, surviving an abusive marriage, and extensive loss contributed to the powerful message of resilience she shares in this book. Neeta is a mother of two and currently lives in Austin, Texas with her husband and children. And you're going to really learn so much from this interview. Nita, I'm just so so like grateful that you're here. You are one of those women who I saw as like this powerhouse and when I was going through a time of like deep vulnerability and kind of finding myself, you came in and just like welcomed me with open arms and were always so gracious and and I learned a lot from you and I continue to learn from you. So I just really I appreciate who you are, your soul and then just you being here and taking time with us today.
2: Oh my goodness, I I could say the same. I mean, I, I think it's because when you were going through, when you you were going through it, just I saw so much of myself in that and in you know the pain and kind yeah. of the complexity of all of the feels, and and yeah, what a what a journey, right? So <laughs> I, I totally received that love. Yeah, totally no. received that.
1: And I'm just really excited to talk through your expertise now, and I know that we have tons of people listening that are, you know, hold busy lifestyles, whether it's people who are mothers, people who are like very busy in their career, and and you are both of those things. You're very busy with what you do career-wise, also a mother of two, always kind of running around and trying to find time for these self-practices. can be difficult sometimes but i'm really fascinated by by kind of your career history where you know cosmetic dentistry that's what you were trained in went to school for and everything built a a big practice and business in that at what at what point did you end up making a transition into what i would consider more of a non-traditional career for a um, cosmetic dentist (laughs) um, in this space of like Self healing, grit, resilience, and all that.
2: You know, it's 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 kind of like when we really lean into our gifts. That's when we, you know, a lot of times we can fly. And and for me, you know, flying forward has been a concept of of mine for for a really long time uh, because I had to grow up early. And you know, I, I think to give everyone context. I was a child caretaker at 10 years old, Hmm. uh, and that's really when my ability to develop grit and resilience really started if I have to kind of go back even like, why did I even become a cosmetic dentist, you know, to begin with? And I think that for a lot of times and a lot of, uh, you know, listeners, I know that we, we think about, you know, in terms of health and things like that, I think that was the beginning blocks of me really choosing what my values were going to be. And I didn't know at the time, but for those six years between the ages of 10 and 16, I would see my mom succumb to you know her diagnosis with with breast cancer and then she passed when i was 16 and so i really Mm -hmm. didn't have this you know traditional upbringing of like teenager and then you know a year later my brother uh who had an asthma attack um he collapsed in front of his school and died and it was on my youngest brother's 12th birthday and If that wasn't enough, um, you know, if we weren't reeling in in that much pain and agony and just shock, and it was like this paralyzing shock, but because I have, you know, this immigrant father, my dad was from India, my mom was from the Philippines. And so you don't really talk about big emotions, let alone Mm. you don't talk about uh, devastating loss. For him, he went into a spiral of, of depression. So I had to, again, be this caretaker in a big way and not just getting jobs to provide for the family, but then also emotionally support in whatever way I could. And even also try to figure out what it meant to be a teenager and, and having, you know, these feelings of, of liking guys and things like that. So it was just, it was such a complex time for me. And two years after that, my dad died of lung cancer.
1: Oh and so,
2: this is all to say before 19, I'm orphaned. I've gone through all these freaking losses and i just wanted so badly to be normal you know i wanted so badly to have to to have what my peers were having and so i what i knew the mantra that i grew up with with my immigrant parents was you know do well in school, and work really hard. And that meant doctor, dentist, lawyer, (laughs) engineer. And I I did that. And I literally buried all of those feelings into a closet for pretty much a decade. Mm -hmm. Until then I became that cosmetic dentist. I had my beautiful million dollar practice. I did a lot of things fast and early, but that was really my coping mechanism because mm-hmm. I got into these relationships that weren't very healthy. And so I found myself in a very toxic place with a relationship that I was I was in fear of, I was hiding in and I didn't want to be judged. And so on December 31st, you know, 2011 it was a decade later after I would lose my family I was faced with another big you know monumental fall in my face of okay how did you get here and that was literally me staring in my you know in in the mirror of how did you get here like why why are you doing this you know and just asking myself really like what are you so afraid of and and, and that's when it clicked it's, it was i was afraid of being judged i was afraid of people thinking that i was broken and so that was the beginning of the of the start of dom you asked how did you transition but that was the beginning of the start of coming back to myself focusing on my healing opening up that closet that i packed all of the pain the agony the the wretchedness the the loneliness the the fear of abandonment all of those things out to the surface and that began my journey of ultimate you know getting getting the help breaking down and asking i need help and literally breaking down in tears in front of my you know my fellow dental associates, my team, my assistants, my hygienists, like, that I actually needed help, that I, yeah, I was broken. And that began my journey of the resiliency, connecting all the dots, focusing in on how people made decisions, focusing in on how I could really learn from others and poured myself into, you know, spir- spiritual growth, personal growth, healing, coaches, consultants, so that people could actually take care of my business while I was working on myself for the very first time, by the way, because never before was I giving myself permission. Because I don't know about you guys, but I was taught growing up, like, don't cry. Mm. You know. Big girls don't cry and you, you're you going through some hard things. Don't let anybody ever pity you, you know? And that was, that was a mantra. And so for years when I was caretaking my youngest brother, it was like, okay, we're, we're Bouchons. We don't, we're, we're tough. We don't break until I actually allowed myself to break on December 31st to oh really
0: gosh. find I mean, what that
2: actually meant, you know?
0: That's so wild. I can't even imagine going through that much loss time and time again and not having you know the support around to allow yourself to break down so all you could do is say okay how am i going to take care of my siblings how am i going to continue forward how what am i going to do to prove that i'm good and i'm okay and we're getting through and and just pushing forward i mean it's just the <laughs> what you must have had trapped inside you know, for so many years, and and just physically too. Like, did you notice anything shift and change when you were able to open up and release? Like, even
2: physically. Oh yeah. Oh yes. I mean, love. I think that's really where I, I think when we first, you know, our, our our paths first connected. I was just so fascinated with the work that you did because, I mean, no one could give me that languaging or even connection. Of my what I, I had severe gut issues in my twenties. Severe. And you know, now we can attribute it to the massive anxiety I was feeling. Mm. <laughs> and and even just growing up, severe just you know, gut issues. There was there were things that I, I couldn't eat for a very long time. I would I literally had pepto bismol on my bedside for mm. years. And then I got into, you know, full on when I lost my, you know, my parents, of course, I was very much into working out and like, and and, in doing that for emotional release many times, and even for mostly for my mental health, but I got into, you know, marathons and triathlons and century rides, you know, 100 mile bike rides, so that my mental fortitude would be, you know, kind of In in that calming manner for myself, it was really my escape and my own, in some ways, healing. But it didn't really happen or or come full in full circle until I got out of my divorce, where I literally I had my um, what is it called your you know your tonsils out Mm because I was constantly had like sore throats. I mean, and and now healers have told me that well, it's because your your throat chakra was blocked, Mm -hmm. and I mean. And my gut issues, well, I don't have any gut issues anymore since, you know, that time. Of course, it was a lot of, you know, the the difference between a lot of healing and 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 releasing from, from different, you know, practitioners telling me, well, you know, the probiotics and all of these other things, but also me not really overworking my body mm-hmm. as I did, you know, putting myself in, in just working out six times a week. Uh, a week, sometimes, even two to three times a day, honestly, yeah. because that was kind of my mental escape from a lot of the things that I was going through and it and it served me well, you know, for that time, but I think it also caught up to me because I think I then had a different uh, perception and even relationship with fitness. And even Mm. just well-being when I had my first, when I got into motherhood, when I had my son, because for the first time I was being catered to for the first time ever in, Mm. you know, ever since I was 10 years old, I was like, oh my God, this is what it's like to receive and Mm. receive in a way that I'm being, you know, mothered that i am being taken care of that i i am also taking care of this newborn but like you know those first 40 days i didn't want to believe it you guys i was like nope this is actually coming from my lineage as well and my mother-in-law like came for the first time from india to take care of me and i was resisting it i was resisting it to the point where I was even trying to show her i'm like see in america we do this and i know all of these things you guys like i I try to do the whole natural birth and all of it but even then my mind was like i can't i can't receive i have to take care of her because she's here from india for the first time so much so that i almost had a prolapse Uh, literally and and they were like guys you know like my my doula and my midwife is like if you don't lie down if you don't rest. Mm-hmm. Literally like we're gonna have to stitch you back up again. And you know, it's not TMI for this podcast, but <laughs> it's not, it's <laughs> not. Yeah. don't worry.
1: Go where you want to go. But, like, a big
2: deal. <laughs> it's a big deal. And there's a reason why a lot of women, I think, that, you know, then I started looking into it because then a lot of women on this side of, you know, uh of the states they get into like fibromyalgia and things like that. And yeah. I started seeing like Chinese medicine doctors and and just, you know, healers. And what else was like coming up to the surface that I hadn't really healed from that time. And what came up was, you know, you've been in this like survival mode of like having to take care of so many other people that now, love, it's your turn, just receive. And for me to just hear that and without the judgment that like, I'm trying to be this because it was my rebellious teenager coming up. Because I never had that mm-hmm. ability, you know, and and it, and it brought a lot of healing for me and my mother in law to say the least. And 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 thankfully, you know, Ujit was really happy about it all because Good. it was a wild. It was such a wild ride. Oh my gosh!
1: Yeah, I think that's great, and I think it's just super important. It kind of sets the the table for helping us understand how emotional, mental, spiritual health and our emotional, mental, spiritual bodies are so related into the physical and, and what yeah. we feel physically. And I, I love talking with someone like you who has, you know, your background and training is more in what we would, you know, consider a Western school of of medicine and, and dentistry. But in in what you do now, you've woven in so much more of this kind of like eastern style well-rounded picture of what health is and so how can we help people understand why our mental spiritual health is so important to what we feel physically
2: oh gosh yeah i mean it's such a great question and you know a few years ago, when I first wrote my my first book, Emotional Grit, and I had then, you know, I just had sold my, you know, my dental practice, and I was starting to invest in, you know, female-led startups. I was an angel investor. I started a nonprofit. I was beginning to speak around emotional grit, you know, like uh, because my, my first book was just coming out and I got asked to uh, speak at this, you know, it's this uh, basically the school that uh, in the Silicon Valley and the school over there. And if anybody knows, you know, the Valley is, is like where all the tech giants live, where a lot of these tech folks uh, with their big tech companies, their kids go to these, these schools in the Valley in Palo Alto. And so the mom called and she got a copy of my book and she said, "Nitha, you know, uh, I'd love for you to come and speak to the moms here because we've had, you know, three kids take their lives.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, you know, is it possible that we can teach them grit and resiliency and You know, what are we missing here? Do they have to go through adversities as big as yours? And, you know, please help us out. And for me, I was like, oh my gosh, I I have this book, Emotional Grit, which I literally wrote for leaders. and, And Grit was used for me as an acronym at the time to grow, reveal, innovate, and transform. Yet I got so stuck on that question because I'm like, well, you know, a lot of times in, in those worlds, you know, are are they helicopter parented? You know, like do they need to go through? So I became obsessed with this question. And that led me now to what I now talk about in my new book, That Suck Now What, into four main components which compromise but they comprise the the this framework called the bounce factor and the bounce factor really rose from that question of me sitting with these moms grieving of like well you know what is it are we doing something wrong and i think we have to look into four of these you know components the first one is well our upbringing a lot of times we think that you know, something so dire has to come about like, a, you know, a mental health crisis or even a physical ailment, or we got a diagnosis in our in our health. A lot of times that's what sparks that journey of looking inward and taking care of our bodies, let alone our, our, our mental health, or even looking into how our emotions play a role in what we're thinking. And so, but most of the time people aren't looking into, well, how are they actually brought up like did were they sheltered did they have agency when they were growing up to talk about some of the hard feelings i i don't know about you guys but i know in my home we didn't even talk about emotions let alone yeah. you know i think it was easier for my brothers to speak their truth and and share what's on their mind you know for me it was like this poised be a good girl and you don't talk back to your elders Mm -hmm. and so a lot of times we don't take into account what our upbringing has or some of the you know if, if you had a divorce growing up if you lost a parent grandparent caretaker growing up a lot of these things we haven't really made peace with so then it comes out in the coping mechanisms that we play out kind of like what I did for those, you know, that first decade of my life, thinking that I had to hide this veneer and put a mask on so that I could be successful outwardly. And fine, that led me to some early on successes, but it did not help me with my anxiety, with my gut issues, with all the other things that were playing out in other ways. And so to really understand that upbringing, right? So that's part one, part two of the bounce factor, is really to understand well okay our is my current environment and this is what i told you know the moms is my current environment actually playing a role in like my exposure to good stress. And I know you guys talk a lot about this, you know, the ability to, for, for good stress, going in, and jumping in a cold plunge, right? Like we all know the medical benefits of that and 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 you know the, the psychology benefits around that, right? We're gonna feel good after, it's gonna be painful. But that's an example of good stress, right? Are we actually sharing another example of good stress is are we sharing our truth? Are we being okay with having a difficult conversation. Mm-hmm. I know Jen, you you shared like when we met, you were going through a very vulnerable time, but that's you stepping out of your comfort zone and sharing what, you know, for a lot of people would be that would be super brave and courageous. Well, that is an edge. That's that's exploring those growth edges and that's that leaning out of your current environment like how are you exposing yourself to that good stress and we talk about the physicalities of this right okay go run a mile do you know 10 extra burpees etc but what about you know calling three people and telling them how you really feel Mm -hmm. like hey Mm -hmm. you know what you said to me that that really hurt me the other day like I love you but I maybe I need to take some space in this relationship right now, you know, like really telling them vulnerably and honestly, what what is really going on instead of saying, oh, yeah, everything's OK. Well, how, how are you doing? You know, and then hmm. and, and pretending like things are OK. So that's that's how how do we lean into more good stress? So and then part three of that is our emotional capacity. And you already know how I feel about this. A lot of times we're we're so especially in this stage of life and now I have two small kids and I see it now, but we can bury our emotions, we can shove it under a rug, we can distract ourselves. We just get the phone and we start to do that dopamine swipe, right, yeah. swipe right, swipe right. <laughs> uh. And so we're not dealing with those emotions, but are we able to experience the duality of both? Like, can I, after a breakup, be, you know, reserved and wanting to date again after my really toxic relationship? Or can I be maybe, maybe I'm open yet i'm also a little bit reserved maybe i'm curious at knowing what dating could look like but i am maybe skeptical still because my heart is still in a in a very you know vulnerable and soft place right but the duality of both of those feelings and emotions can exist at the same time but that's exploring well how do we feel which is why my subtitle is how to embrace the joy in chaos and find magic in the mess as you both are going to be getting into mm. shortly <laughs> yeah. is those those sleepless nights I mean it's it, it is one wild ride but it's also the beauty in okay wow I'm still going to look at their pictures while they're sleeping even though I haven't slept in three days is a whole thing and and then the last part of you know the four part bounce factor is your radical self-awareness and i and i talk about your radical self-awareness not just as okay we all know about that but it's it's even in the work that you both do it's it's even those, those videos like how can we pay attention to the subtleties of maybe that right big toe is bothering my me right now or my lower left Glute, like I've been sitting on it for a while, and that's really causing me pain, or maybe my, you know, right shoulder, or, you know, I'm I'm starting to get those tension headaches again, and it starts in my neck, because, oh, I've been sitting too much, and I haven't stretched, right? These are tiny little increments. But when we look at the big picture of radical self-awareness, we're also not only seeing it in our bodies, but we're also seeing it in, hmm, am I, should I be hanging around with those people that are not the greatest? Or every time I ask for support, maybe they're not as open, or maybe they're not really sharing and I'm sharing everything. And I feel like I'm not met in this relationship, right? Or should I should I start doing the thing that I said I was going to do, like the goals that I said I was going to do this year, because I keep saying it and I keep putting it off, you know, to really align and integrate with what we sometimes put to the side, that's radical self-awareness. So the Mm. four comprise our bounce factor, our ability to bounce when life throws experiences and situations and setbacks in our way. I love those four. That's a great
0: Mm. way to kind of like map it out and and gain that awareness, you know, that, that factor of like, where is this really coming from? How am I showing up? And then what am I, what am I doing? Like, what are actionables and how do you recommend? Like, I mean, cause you said you were talking to moms, so let's make this applicable to them. Like if, if you were talking to a parent or someone who models, whether they're a teacher and aunt and uncle, whatever it may be, Like, how do you show someone or show that child, you know, this is me being in my truth and in my vulnerability, but yet I don't want to scare you or make you feel like you need to, you know, take care of me. I'm just being open and
2: real. Like, how do we walk that boundary as a parent? Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, and it's, it's one of the reasons why this is such a great question is one of the reasons why I actually immerse myself in this level of, of work and what birthed out, literally, you know, that sucked, now what became a mantra, when Ari turned to and, and, you know, we were starting to get literally, you know, starting to get into the pandemic. And we were, you know, doing the best that we could, but he started to have these big emotions and big feelings. And I mean, it was, it was literally a, a, you know, a playground for, okay, every day is, you know, every time he has meltdown is a new opportunity. Every time is a new opportunity, but I had to really reconcile Am I going to pass this down to my kids the way that my parents who, you know, they were doing their best, okay, yet they were, you know, it's like, don't cry. I'll give you something to cry about. Mm-hmm. Why we're, We don't <laughs> cry about these things. And and I think, you know, and it's like, don't, you know, suck it up. <laughs> like, how many times have we heard, like, suck it up, don't do this, or, you know, big girls or big boys don't cry, right? Or be be a man, right? Like, what does that even mean even you know and I think that for for Ajit and I it was like in our face every day Where we're like oh wow like he he is just this purity and if you've never spent time with a toddler I mean (laughs) uh, I encourage you to spend time with a toddler because you will see their emotions like we are it's beaten out of us very young in, in society, right, that were supposed to do X, Y, and Z. But for kids, they're the most pure. Like he would have these, quote unquote, meltdowns. But it was like, okay, no, I'm not going to give you, you know, candy for breakfast or no, you're not going to, you know, have screen time right now. And he would go through the emotions and he would start crying and maybe like, you know, shaking his hands left and right and, you know, bouncing his head on the floor because he really wanted it. But what he's doing and there's, you know, there's a practice that I talk about in the book. It's an emotional release practice, an emotional embodiment practice. But we don't allow ourselves to feel. Mm. We don't allow ourselves to get into feeling that discomfort, right? Let alone when we see our children act out and 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 present their emotions they're just feeling it there's no you know their prefrontal cortex is not formed until they're 25 so they're like in the full primal brain and And if I let that play out, which I did, and it was very painful to see my kid cry and scream, sometimes in the parking lot, sometimes, you know, (laughs) in the grocery store, (laughs) sometimes, you know, in the airport, because we would travel a lot with him. And the parents, yeah, they would look at us like we were crazy. Yet I would be there with my kid sitting down and like whatever he would need you know, hey, love, I'm, I'm there for you right now. I am here. But it took so much of my own emotional regulation. A lot of times we think, okay, we have to shush our kids. But in actuality, it says more about us. It says more about, okay, like, this is, this is practice for us. And that's the biggest spiritual thing uh, reckoning and personal growth, uh, journey more than even just in, in, in dual relationships, because you're now having to see what this, 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 this child is doing where, where, you, where they're so pure and guess what? They feel it. They transform it. They kind of, you know, and, and, and once they, they go through it after two minutes, Ari's like, okay, mama feel better. Yeah. Let's play <laughs> Literally every time, you know, and sometimes the longest meltdown he's had is like 20 minutes. So when he started to do that over and over again, I was like, oh, wow. Wow. Okay. And of course, me reading all the books, it was the reasons why we react to things. And this is for anyone who is a parent or, uh, you know, perhaps maybe hasn't uh, spent time, you know, in understanding their own emotional regulations where we get triggered, we have to look at so what are what are our triggers and, and what are our factors in our current environment, right? This is our bounce factor again. So if our current environment is, well, we haven't slept, right? The only time I'd probably get triggered is like if I haven't slept, because yeah. I have to- two young little ones, right? Yeah, My my daughter's just starting to sleep through the night. Sometimes she'll still get up. And if I haven't slept, if it's been a long day, if everyone's needing things for me, and guess what? I haven't had my own one or two personal rituals for myself. I haven't grounded myself. I haven't come back to myself. Then I will Definitely, like, all right. And if everyone's needing me, you know, you'll you'll still have these human moments, right? We're talking about it theoretically right now, but we're still human. Mm-hmm. But can we still have that compassion for ourselves when we do yell at some our kid, or when we do act out and we we scream at our partner, and they were just trying to help us out and and say, hey, hey, babe, like, are you okay? Because <laughs> because those moments will still happen. But the important part of that is how do we repair? Mm. And what do we learn from that afterwards? Like, how are you going to maybe be just an incrementally a little bit better at the next conversation? It's kind of like having a difficult conversation, right? The first time, you know, you're, you're, you're super scared and you're probably writing everything down and you're reading it from a paper saying, you know, I didn't like the way you treated me, you know, or, or, or. And or you took advantage of me in this way, et cetera, et cetera. But you're writing all of these things down, right? Imagine you're saying this to your boss for the very, very first time. It's going to mean a lot. But what if you built that muscle to do that over and over and over and over again? It's the same thing as we're teaching our children. All they want is to be heard, to feel seen, right? And And can we actually do that to our kids? And so I have an entire chapter in the book that literally talks about how do we feel our feelings. Mm-hmm. Literally. How how do we actually embrace the suck? Most mm-hmm. of the time we are, you know, either either we're in, you know, the that sucked part, which is we're in that victim part, right? Where we're like, we, you know, we don't necessarily give ourselves the time to sit in the suck right? Most of us, including myself, were taught, all right, let's get over it. Let's move on. Let's find the silver lining. All right. Brush it under the rug. (laughs) Brush it under the rug and nobody has to see it or let's work on another business idea or let's go work out. All of these things are tools. Absolutely. They help clear our minds. Absolutely. But what if we sit in the suck and see, well, what is coming up? Ooh, is that trigger of my self-worth coming up? Is that trigger of abandonment coming up? Is that trigger of resentment coming up? Like, what is that actually saying beneath the underbelly of that? And then in that that sucked moment, and then we get into the now what, and the now what is usually the victor state. It's like, you know, the hero state, like, all right, let's, let's move on to the next. And what I'm actually asking you all to do is think of, you know, between the victim and the victor is that vulnerability. The vulnerability to say, mm, yeah i'm not feeling okay right now. I actually do need a mental health day. I do need some time to recharge. I actually am going to say no to that thing, even though I said yes mm. Mm. because I'm not going to people please anymore or whatever the other you know thing that i that I usually do is to ask a different question, right, oh yeah. yeah,
1: I think that's fantastic, and I love how you you kind of moved to talking about how some of this stuff can be modeled for a a kid and then moving into how we do it ourselves ourselves as adults who have fully developed prefrontal cortexes even though i sometimes don't think mine is fully there yet I, i hear sometimes guys are late bloomers with that whole prefrontal cortex things but um and i i mean i grew up in small town minnesota middle of the country suck it up buttercup central you know and luckily had parents who you know for living in an area like that, where were very open to allowing me to feel my feelings at, at talking to me, asking me to process, you know, why I might be feeling a certain way. And that can also be difficult with kids because you can't reason with a kid who's a toddler, two to four years old, but as they start getting to be seven or eight years old, you can start to try and talk through things a little more with them and, and process things a little more with them, which I think is a whole nother can of worms on how to navigate each of those stages. One thing that I do want to talk about is so, you know, you talked about, okay, feel the suck, embrace the suck. And, and then, you know, how do we know, because like you said, there some traumas, some emotional um, travesties that we come into in life, like it, it is going to take a degree of time to, to be able to feel that, to be able to work on healing that. How do we know when we are ready to release a trauma or are ready to release something tragic that happened in life versus if we are feeling the same way five, six, seven months later. And to what point does it become, okay, now I'm just allowing myself to live into this too much. And I do need to find a way to actually heal what I went through.
2: Oh, that's so good. It, this is so good. So for a lot of folks, you know, I think the majority of us, we and many of your listeners, you're in the camp of, all right, I want to fix it right away. I yeah. want to do it so fast because I can't sit in it. It's too discomforting to sit in it. And so for for those, I'm saying, okay, yeah, let's let's embrace it. Let's give ourselves permission to sit in the suck. I think what what, happen is, what happens is when we sit in it for far too long, it becomes part of our story. It becomes part of the idea that, okay, well, I can't do that right now. I can't, you know, I just talked to, you know, this uh, a woman, I'm, I was speaking at an event this weekend and a woman came up to me and she's like, I, 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 I just still don't think I'm ready to date. And she had, she's a, she's a widow and she lost her husband a couple of years ago. And I told her, I'm like, well, don't date, don't date, love. If, if you're, if if you're feeling like you're still in it, you know, you're already leaning into that. Yeah. Yet I asked her, I said, but I invite you to think about it this way. Would you be open to something new? Would you be open to a different experience? Perhaps maybe a conversation. Are you open to meeting new friends? she's like, absolutely. Well, I said, then go meet new friends. But I said, if you're not open to dating, don't date. But if you're open to meeting new friends, open to meeting new friends. And here's the thing. I think people think that it's a zero sum game, right? Like this woman in particular, she thought, all right, well, I have to date. People are asking me, why, why don't you get out of there in the world, et cetera, et cetera. And the thing is, is it doesn't have to be just a zero sum or black and white. It mm-hmm. could actually be taking baby steps. And the the other, you know, big framework that I talk about in the book is to fly forward. In the fly forward framework, you know, when we get to the point, there's five stages in this, but a lot of times when we've been through something like a fall, and your fall is like stage one. It's kind of like me leaving my, you know, tumultuous marriage, got a divorce maybe it's a loss, maybe it's, you know, losing, and you're, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're trying for a baby, and you've had a miscarriage. So, you have this fall, and it allows you the, the, the stage two is that ignition stage. Do we want to try again? Do we want to wait? Do we want to you know, I think I need to make a different decision in my eating habits because I got this diagnosis. So that's the spark. That's the ignition to make the change. But stage three is the rising stage. And stage three is, are you going to take action? (laughs) Or are you going to continue to sit? And for many people, stage three, the rising stage could just look like taking those baby steps. Because no, nobody's asking you to date like that lady, right? But is she open to having new friends? Yeah, absolutely. And maybe there's still a little bit more work for her to begin healing or whatever. And that she'll do on her own time. But she's still open to friendships. And maybe that friendship could spark into something else and something else, right? So it's it's the baby steps of saying, yes, I am open to something new. And if you are open to a different perspective, a different way of thinking, a different way of seeing where your situation is right now, perhaps it's dire or perhaps maybe you think you've tried all of the, the diets in the world, nothing works for you or any of the fitness goals that you have, you constantly, you know, don't attain. But maybe this time it is different because you're doing something different and that's okay. And it's And it's those baby steps.
0: I love that. And I think... You know, it's it's the ability to reframe instead of taking what the outside world or society is telling you you should be doing or it should look like or it's it's starting to come back to what does that look like for me? And, and how can I you know just start in that moving forward process? What are those little actions start to look like? Because that's where, and you say this small ways, build big resilience, right? So it's like, what are those small little steps? What are those small things that I can do to help build Eventually, this bigger picture of what I want to really create, not what someone else is telling me I have to do, not, you know, and I think that's the hardest thing, and maybe what keeps people stuck sometimes is that you hear all these, oh, well, you know, this is what it can look like. And this is what you should do. And this is whatever people are going to interpret about your situation, but learning how to identify that within yourself and those small things that can help to move you forward, I think is so incredibly important because like you said, it's, it's so easy to get stuck in the discomfort of life and all the different times that, that is going to happen because that is life. So I love that you, you named this book that sucked. Now what? I mean, it's (laughs) like, it's, it's the perfect title because it, that happens all the time, you know, whether it's this recording that didn't get, you know, Finalized or this <laughs> book that didn't get published or, you know, we have all these little things to big things that can happen through life that we just go, that sucked. And so how we're moving forward, how we're processing in the, in a healthy way and really listening and honoring our own truth is just so everything. And I think you're modeling that in such a great way. Um, where can people go? Can they get this book right now? When does it come out? What What is the process? Yes.
2: Oh, yes, yes. And I, I did want to say, like, you know, I think that the thing is, is there's, it, it's so overwhelming in the beginning. Yeah, you know, and I think we just have to bring it back to small actionable steps. And, and, and yes, yeah, so the book is out for pre-order right now. So that sucked now what dot com? it's, it's the whole URL that sucked now what.com when you actually order the book, you get a couple of bonuses. So you get my actual 40 page and it's fully in depth, you know, so many questions and prompts, but if anybody has been listening to this and is like, oh my gosh, I need to start my own healing journey it's basically your old toolbox of going deeper mm-hmm. with, questions and prompts and, you know, affirmations and things. If there are things that you need to release, we have re- release practices inside of the actual journal that comes for free when you order the book. And what you also get is my five day healing practice. And we start out with one of the most important things, which is our relationship. So healing any relationships, whether it's friends, family members, you know, losses, things like that. But we focus on that healing because then day two, we start talking about your Optimal health and your optimal vitality. Like, how do you want to show up in the world? If you have kids, how do you want to show up for them? If you want to, you know, call in a partner, how do you want to show up for them? If you want to create, you know, the next thing in your life, but you're constantly having, you know, pain and things like that, how will you show up for yourself? And then we go into calling in abundance on day three. And day four is acting on courage and taking those brave and courageous actions. And then we lead with day five being the connection back to yourself because all of this doesn't really matter if you don't actually connect back with yourself. So all of that is at thatsuckednowwhat.com, all of the juicy bonuses. But I did have something for for your audience, though, for those who are really curious, yes, for, for mastering their emotions. There's a free guidebook that I'll give to your listeners, and it's just... Uh, it's globalgrit.co forward slash EG guidebook. So it's globalgrit.co forward slash EG guidebook. And that basically has a whole slew of getting started with emotional regulation, how to master your emotions, how to make peace with them, and to carve out that time to get to know that part of yourself.
1: Amazing. Wow. Well, thank you so much for that. We'll have both of those, of course, linked up down in the show notes for uh, if people that want to check out that Sucked Now What and um, the free bonus uh, ebook that you're providing. One last thing to, to leave our audience with something in the in the world of movement. I've heard a lot of people talk recently about movement snacks and how <laughs> you insert a few movement snacks throughout your day that are attainable. They take a minute or two. And I was thinking, would you have any delicious spiritual snacks that people could insert throughout their day, especially for the busy individual, whether it's because of kiddos or work or whatever that people can do in just one or two minutes throughout their day to make sure that they touch in with themselves spiritually and then get back into their day.
2: Oof. Well, I do have a movement snack for everybody, and that is basically just uh, that's turning on a song. I know Dr. Jen loves to dance. Oh, yes. (laughs) And so (laughs) turning on one song for a minute and start dancing. And if you're working in a cubicle or with people, maybe they'll like to join in too. <laughs> I mean, we never know, right? And and I think a spiritual snack that, that you all can take from this is putting your hand over your heart. And a lot of times, you know, in the busyness of our day, we forget because we are constantly having to... You know, we open up our phones, we have to check our email. We open up our phones, we have to see the text messages, and people are demanding and demanding things from us. And so, this practice, super simple, place your right hand over your heart, and you're basically just saying, I got you. You close your eyes and you would take three deep breaths. And all you're doing is connecting back to yourself, hmm. reminding yourself that you know what? You got this. You don't need to answer this right now. You can take a minute for yourself. And that reminder is just your hand saying, you got this. Mm -hmm. Both of those. So, so, so good. So important.
1: I I feel like, I release endorphins even just hearing you say I that. Know, exactly. like uh, and and I would argue that the dance break is also a spiritual snack in itself yes. because dance <laughs> is very spiritually connecting for a lot of people.
2: <laughs> oh absolutely, absolutely. One of my favorite things to do with my kids right now is <laughs> is putting on a song every day and we'll we'll do a little dance. So oh, yeah. I but they love that. I love it. Thank you so much for taking the time with us. I know you are
0: an incredibly busy doing so much out in the world and taking care of little humans. So we just appreciate your time so much and being here and hope we get to see you guys soon.
1: Thanks for tuning in for that incredible interview with Nita all about developing that resilience, grit and perseverance to really start connecting back into yourself Please consider passing this episode along to somebody else, subscribing to us on your favorite podcasting platform, and leaving a rating and review that just helps us out so much to support the podcast, getting out there to more people. And remember, we have started the Full Body Mobility Challenge on the Gen Health platform getting people moving into the new year. If you're looking for a movement practice to add in, that's only gonna take 10 to 15 minutes, please consider joining us. You can go down to find the link in the show notes to join up. You get the first week for free to try out that full body mobility plan, to get so many different exercises, mobility flows, to get you back into your body and start addressing those baseline restrictions and pains in your movement. And of course, we will see you next time on the Optimal Body Podcast.